What are you waiting for? Welcome to This Is Not A Dress Rehearsal Podcast. Stop holding your breath, waiting for perfect conditions before you move through the world. Tune in for real stories of real people who understand the freedom to live well. Your host, Bonnie Sewell, is a veteran wealth manager with 12 grandchildren, helping clients over the last 30 years enjoy their wealth. You can listen to all podcasts at www.americancapitalplanning.com slash podcast or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today, our guest is Cheryl Hine. Cheryl Hine is a successful local businesswoman here in Northern Virginia. Her company, Quail Creek Promotions, which is branded products and apparel, has been in business for 13 years. And what she does is she helps businesses advertise their brand, broaden their market presence, and grow their business. She works with all types of businesses, large and small, across many different industries, and she doesn't work exclusively in the Northern Virginia area. So she understands her customers' businesses, can represent them effectively, and works with any budget. She's a lot of fun to work with as well. And just as a side note, she's done many promotional products for our firm, but one we had a particular interest in with, due to our divorce work, she put together for us high quality, full size Kleenex packets that a woman or anyone could tuck in their purse or glove box. And it was branded with our logo. And that was extremely helpful because as anyone might know who's gone through a divorce, it can be a tough time. And even cold and flu season, or here we are in COVID, the <clears throat> Kleenex was a hit and a very important product for our firm. And so that was a lot of fun. Cheryl also happens to be the mom of two adult sons and the wife of Dan Hine, who also runs a, a busy business. So she's an extremely busy woman and she's taking time out today to talk with us. Welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. It's great to be here. Cheryl, you're living in the same area that you grew up in here in Northern Virginia. Tell us a little bit about your growing up years, because I know in the time that I've lived here, it's changed a lot. So I know it's changed in your in your experience. And tell us a little bit about your original family. You could live anywhere today. So why do you choose to stay here as it grows and changes in Loudoun County, Virginia? Sure. So I did grow up here. It's kind of unusual. A lot of people are kind of transplants from other areas. But I did grow up just outside of Leesburg. Uh, we lived on t six acres. We had two huge gardens. It was all about kind of being outdoors and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so it was a really fun childhood. Uh, my parents were great. They gave a lot to their kids as far as um, morals and how to treat people. And so we just had a great upbringing. I have three older brothers. And then when I went off to college in Pennsylvania, I just kind of immediately came back to this area to find a job. And then I just ended up staying here because I really enjoyed it. I started my family right away. And uh, I like the idea of my kids being near their grandparents. So that was kind of nice to have family so close by. And my brothers were close by too. So that was nice. And then, you know, as I've gotten older, I've realized how much Loudoun County has to offer. It's beautiful here. You, know, you, can, you can go hiking. Uh, you're close to DC. There's lots of restaurants, breweries, wineries, just there's a lot to offer in Loudoun County. It's grown so much, obviously, since I was born here, but 
there are some negatives with that, but a lot of positives. So I felt like it's it's a good place. It's a good economy. It's a good place to find work. And uh, it's a good place to bring up your family. So I stayed here. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. When I came here, I, I've only been here since uh, 2009. And I've lived all over the country. And this is my favorite place. Mm. I, I think it's beautiful. I think the people are nice, uh, very hardworking people. But the countryside, um, I was lucky enough to visit Italy and France over the last few years. And I feel like sometimes we're living in our American version of Italy and France. It's so pretty here. Yeah, it's very lush. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Well, I'd love to explore how women make the decision and commitment to open and grow a business. And, and you went back to work for a corporate career before you opened your own business. So if you could tell us a little bit about juggling all that and then, you know, your situation is interesting because you didn't start a business out of monetary need. So tell us how you came to that decision. So first a little bit about your corporate career and how you then decided to open this business. Okay. So I started out of college. I worked for Sprint. So I worked in telecommunications and just kind of worked my way up in different departments. And then when I had my second child, I decided I wanted to work part-time because I really wanted to spend time with them, but I still wanted to be working as well. And I really felt it's important to contribute to the family, um, not only being a mom and being there for your kids, but also from a financial standpoint. So I did that for a while, worked part-time, and then I decided the best way to really kind of take control over my career because I was doing consulting and kind of just a lot of different things was to start my own business. And I did that and started a gift basket business and learned that that was really a hobby. Um, That wasn't the most successful. I enjoyed it. It was fun. But um, I realized that I really needed to expand products that have have offerings that lots of different businesses could take advantage of. So anyway, I kind of rolled into the promotional products about 13 years ago. And yes, I didn't really need to work, but I enjoy the challenge of it. I enjoy adult interaction, I guess, uh, communication (laughs) with other adults. So I feel like the part-time kind of gave me a good balance of, of family and work as well. And then being able to contribute to the family financially made me feel good anyway. So I think that's really interesting. So you were doing gift baskets, which I agree is really a lot of fun. I love seeing those at auctions. And I, I know again, locally who does that, they are really neat uh, products. But as you say, it wasn't as successful or profitable as you'd like, more like a hobby. And then you built this promotions business, which is quite successful and profitable. But how did you know how to do that? How did you know when you were being, you know, because it takes sales ability which is a true skill, which a lot of people underappreciate. Mm-hmm. And you, if you just meet you at, at a party or an event, you come off as a beautiful petite blonde and not necessarily a salesperson. <laughs> and uh, But what's so striking, I think, is that you're a very successful salesperson. So can you talk a little bit about this sales skill set and mm-hmm. how you knew when you were building a profitable business? I, if you ask me if I'm a salesperson, I would say absolutely not. Okay. I've never considered myself a salesperson. I don't feel comfortable. I never make call calls. I built my business totally on referrals. Um, so really having that gift basket business, even though it wasn't successful, I started getting to understand, you know, becoming part of the chamber, understanding what networking was understanding how to run a business, and then um, also starting to build those relationships 
And then I just took those customer relationships into the new business. So that's kind of how I was able to evolve into a different business with kind of the same customers and then just getting, you know, referrals from people. But I just, I work closely with my customers and I care about them. And it's more of a consultative type of relationship than I I never really feel like I'm selling something. So, and that feels good to me. Like that, that's going to make me enjoy if I had to hit the pavement hard and make sales calls. (laughs) I don't think I'd, uh, I wouldn't be enjoying myself. I probably would have more sales, but um, it's not something that I, feel that comfortable with. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we met at a net, uh, networking event True. for the chamber. And and I think it's because you truly, first of all, your service level is so high. It's really interesting because uh, I wouldn't necessarily have expected that once you deliver the product, you know, but you check up, make sure everything's good. Your uh, delivery times are always early or exactly when you said, and the products are a lot of fun. So you have this huge lineup yeah. of things that you could do. And then, you know, once a year you have this luncheon um, where we all go, we can see and feel the mm-hmm. fabrics of the apparel. I, I think it's really neat. And um, and I'm married to a professional salesperson. So I have a high regard <laughs> for sales skills. I really oh, I do too. Board. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you are just, you, you, it's true. You actually are uh, very genuine in your, in your, promotion of the business it's funny it's i i think of it as sales but i i can totally appreciate that that you see it very much uh, as a consultative consultative uh operation okay so i would describe you to someone else as a successful businesswoman because you are an exemplary mom because i've met your kids uh, a happy wife i i know who dan is and uh, a supportive sister i've met your brothers and a great friend because we are also friends and yes. i appreciate that but you happen to be a very pretty petite blonde. Our, our listeners can't see that. It was not always so that everything was, you know, running on all all cylinders. So when you think about getting bumped around in life, like everybody with a pulse does, you know, it's almost always a surprise. No one's looking for a rainy day, but I, I think you'd agree that everyone gets them. How do you how do you get through those? It's a really good question. I'm not sure. I think a lot of it does have to do with my upbringing. My parents had a very positive outlook on life and there was not a lot of negativity in the house. So the cup was always half full, even though they've never used that expression, but (laughs) that's kind of their mentality. And I think I think that has helped me a lot. And yes, you know, I, I feel very blessed. I've been healthy my kids are healthy. My kids are great. I love them to death. Um, I have a great husband. But yeah, I've gone through divorce and different things that have been very challenging. But everyone has. Like everyone has to, You nothing's perfect in life. And um, things might seem perfect on the outside and, and they're not necessarily on the inside, which you don't see. Yeah, I think just trying to be positive, move forward, knowing that you're going to get through whatever it is, you're going to be able to get through it and things are going to get tough and you're going to have to just pull it up, pull it together and and get forward. It's it's I don't know. It probably sounds cliché or it sounds not, you know, sounds easy and it's not. It's not easy, but what's the alternative? Is to just you know, we can all sit in the corner and be depressed about things. That's not really going to get it. And sometimes we absolutely do. But we, you know, you can't, you can't dwell on that. You have to, you have to pick yourself up and you have to move on because you know, it's going to get better. Yeah. It's not going to get worse. It's going to get better. So 
And, and you mentioned divorce. And of course, uh, any listener knows we do a lot of divorce work and every divorce is different. And we certainly don't need any details on the divorce. But you and I share an interesting detail about the timing of uh, each of our divorces. And it's a common known phenomenon. So I'd like to bring attention to that because people who are listening who think this is a surprise. It's actually a fairly well-known issue, and that's the marriage cliff. So we're going along, we're going along, and we've been in a marriage for decades, and suddenly the children get ready to or leave the home, and now we're empty nesters. And that marriage cliff is often a a time to reevaluate things. And so that timing was similar in your marriage as it Mm -hmm. was to mine. For our listeners who are facing down that prospect of divorce, and that's the timing, and it's somehow been a surprise to them as it was to me uh, mm-hmm. and also, and but the idea is, how would you tell them to think about this time period when it's a personal earthquake, uh, the ground feels like it's shifting beneath you, but you've come out the other side? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's divorce isn't easy. We are in the same situation where uh, I thought everything was fine. and you know, I kind of had my life planned through that. And when it takes you off course like that, you really don't know what to do. You know, there are a lot of emotions that you have to deal with, with being, you know, sad, you're grieving, basically, angry, you know, just a lot of different things to feel. But I feel like, I kind of looked at people like you, I looked at friends that have gone through it, and they're fine. (laughs) They're happy. Maybe they're even happier, probably more than likely happier. So I knew there's like, there's another side to it. So but I think you have to go through all those feelings, and you have to deal with your feelings, you can't shift them aside and say, I'm going to be fine. You do have to deal with them, whether it's professionally or with friends or however you want to deal with it. But there is there is a positivity at the side, you know, at the other end, there's going to be there are things that you can look forward to. It doesn't seem like it right then. But you look around and there are a lot of people that have been through divorce. And it is harder. I don't know if it's harder later in life, but maybe you're not expecting it as Mm -hmm. much when you're you know, in your 40s and your kids are grown and you kind of had this life planned and then all of a sudden you don't. It can definitely throw you for a loop. But, you know, you have to start just watch around you because people people get through it every day. And it just it takes time. It's not something you're going to snap out of and, and feel great the next day, but you will feel great at some point. Yeah, I think you allude also to the idea that it's always two people, no matter how bad the the other guy is, right? There's always two people involved in the breakdown of Mm -hmm. whatever leads to the the ending. Sure. And uh, and you alluded to the idea that then you look after yourself and you and you look at those things and you make yourself whole again before you get to the next person or place in your life where you're going to be. And I I will say from our experience working with folks, it's interesting because we often see the people who have the most struggle afterwards, after the worst has passed them or so they thought, if they didn't take an internal accounting Mm -hmm. of who they are and who they want to be going forward, uh, they take that old self with them forward. Mm, And some of the same things will crop up. For me, it was losing my voice, not speaking mm. up when I needed to, things like that. And I and I did make use of professional therapy to, to help. So I think that's an important point that you alluded to is that um, it's important to figure out who you are when mm-hmm. that change happens yep. and, to, and to take that new, healthier person forward. 
So you're one of my favorite examples of someone who is living life with Mm -hmm. gusto uh, after a a personal earthquake. And people who usually we see that live this way wake up each morning, they decide they're going to live fully, whether they think about it that way or not. In the darkest days of, of things that have happened to you over the course of time, is there something you tell yourself to get through? Is there or something you carry with you, a talisman? What do you use to sort of pick yourself up out of the blues? I don't really have a specific thing. I I know I always tell myself it's going to get better. Like it can't get much worse <laughs> right now. It's going to get better. And then you start thinking, well, I can have a new life. And what does that mean? And then you, you like you mentioned about working on yourself. This is a good time to work on yourself. We, you know, you obviously, uh, excuse me, I'm saying I obviously contributed to divorce. It doesn't happen one-sided. So what are some things that I can do to make myself a better person? Also, you start, you can have like a little glimmer of hope, a little bit of like, oh, I wonder what my life is going to be like. So you start looking at it from that perspective instead of I'm not going to have this, I'm not going to have that and start thinking of it more like, oh, I can have this. I can make the choice to do this and that, and that's going to be my choice. And I think that's, I think that's really important. Well, I think there's something else that I noticed from the outside about things that you do that I'm guessing propel you forward. First of all, you had an income on your own, so you were independent, which can meet really provide a foundation. So not everyone chooses that. You chose it and you worked on it. And that that also helps to know in dark days that you mm-hmm. can take care of yourself no matter what. True. I think the other thing I notice about you is you're very meticulous about your health. You exercise mm-hmm. on a routine basis, and I know you're careful about food because whenever we go out to lunch, I'm the only one eating poorly. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> I love it too. But I do think that that aspect of health is probably something you don't tell yourself, but it seems to be very consistent that that's one way you take care of yourself and probably sees you through some tough times. That is true. And I think exercise, I mean, I love to exercise, so it's more just part of my life and it's habit. But I think that really helps with stress. And I think, too, just knowing that you're taking control of your health, that's one thing when some other things happen that you don't really have control over, that's something you can really control is your health your outlook. And yeah, that's what I try to do. I think that's so important. So uh, we're stuck on divorce for a couple more questions. Bear with me. Uh, But I just feel like when we have a strong example of living life after, we need to talk about that so that other people can have an example to learn from. And divorce, of course, is usually listed as one of the most stressful life events. And I would think anyone going through that would agree. Mm -hmm. But under the banner of when it rains, it does not just pour. It could be a hurricane. You were already living one of the top as transitions life throws and you managed uh, the loss of not one but two brothers um, seeking wisdom here for listeners who believe no one has it as bad as they do can you just share a little bit about that time period and and how you saw your mm-hmm. way through that because it wasn't just one thing and thankfully things come in threes uh, and, and you were done at that <laughs> point but my goodness that was really heartbreaking to watch yeah that was tough um I think with the divorce I had gotten over that um, I met someone, I 
kind of took care of myself. I met someone new, which um, I'm married to now, Dan. And so my life was actually going pretty well. And one thing that I did do after divorce, um, well, kind of prior to, but is really focused on my business. So Mm -hmm. kind of threw myself in my business. So things were going pretty well. And then, you know, my youngest brother got cancer at 56 and passed away. And then a year later, my other brother, I have three, my other brother passed away quickly of a heart attack, which was a total shock. So they were within a year of each other. And they, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I got through the divorce, everything's going great, work's going great, got a great guy. And then, you know, that hits you and you're like, geez, give me a break. Right. (laughs) So that's tough. I mean, it's just tough. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to deal with losing a loved one, especially a family member. And they were very supportive during my um, divorce. You know, they were just good friends of mine. So it's losing a friend and a brother. But I wish I had like this great wisdom that I can say, if you do this, you're going to feel great. But you really just, you have to work through it. Mm-hmm. Again, you have to identify these that what's happening. You have to deal with reality. You can't brush it under the rug and keep going. So I think just, just moving on, focusing on my business and just, I don't know, it's, it's, it's hard to say what I did specifically to get through that, but, you know, rely on family and friends. That's always, you know, key when you're trying to go through something, but everybody has to go through things. Everyone loses a loved one. Unfortunately, mine were pretty close together and both pretty young. So it was kind of hard, but I mean, everyone has to lose their parents, their siblings, their close friends, their spouse. So you, you do what you need to do to, to get through. And some people, you know, rely on religion and faith and I have some of that too. So that helps. Yeah. I wish I had a great piece of, um, well, I think the fact that you're sitting here smiling and enjoying your life is testimony that you did do the work and, and managed to get through. But I also know that because you had Dan in your life at that time, Mm -hmm. he had lived through a few similar things crazily enough, which is also unusual, but let's move to a lighter topic. And there is life after divorce Mm -hmm. and, and death. Many of us believe we'll never find love again or be loved. What did you find out in the wild? Let's talk about the Dan story a little bit. Okay. I don't know if it was really wild, but <laughs> but after I got divorced, I absolutely was not interested in dating anyone. Um, like you say, you know, will I find love again? I didn't even really think about it that much. I kind of was like, I'm going to focus on my family. My kids are still here and my business. And I, I don't really need that right now. I'm going to focus on myself individually or as an individual. and. I met Dan, someone introduced us through work. We both had marketing companies. We figured we could kind of share referrals or help each other out. And the first day I met him, something happened in my stomach, you know, that little feeling like, wow, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, we started out as friends in a work environment kind of thing as a customer kind of for the first month or two. And then we started dating and, um, you know, we've been married four years, dating eight now. So, or been together eight, I guess we're still dating. (laughs) I don't know what you want to call it. That's a good sign, (laughs) but technically married. But yeah, I think uh, for me, I think it worked best that I wasn't looking for it, that I wasn't pushing myself to date, get out there, 
go out, whatever. It just kind of fell into place. And I think for me anyway, that was perfect. Like that's the way it kind of needed to be for me. Not that I would, I'm sure I would have dated or done whatever, but I wasn't really looking for it. And I think sometimes when you're not looking for it, it's, it appears. (laughs) Well, and I'm not sure how it could have happened if you weren't involved in life. So you were out doing your business, you were out being with friends and family. And when you're out in the world is when you're going to bump into anybody that might become part of your life. If you're hiding in your house with your television or your computer, it's just not as likely to happen. Unless you're surfing, you know, shopping for humans, as we used to call it. I found Marie online. Uh, (laughs) That does work. I mean, obviously, you're a good testimony for that. Um, but you're right. You have to you have to be out there. You have to be so. involved in life. Well, one thing I think is so cute. It's just a small little detail. Is you used to have a different last name, and when we put the S in Cheryl <laughs> with Dan's last name, which is Hine, we get Shine. Yes. And I just think it's cute because uh, you do shine quite Aww. a bit when you're with them, and uh, and it's a neat neat love story. Thank you. So you're a giver and you spend time and money in the community where you live. How do you pick where you give back and why does it bring meaning to your life? That's a really good question too, because um, where we live in Loudoun County, there are hundreds of nonprofits and every single one of them are doing good in the community. So it is really hard to pick which one. I think you have to kind of pick something that really identifies or resonates with you. And for me, like Capital Caring Health is is huge to me because my father and my brother passed away from lung cancer and hospice was there to the end. Mm. And they helped not only the patient dealing with the worst moment of their life, but also with all of the family members. And I just feel like what they do, those people... I don't even know how they do it. I don't know how they get attached to these patients and then they walk away. It's it's amazing to me. So that is something I feel very passionate about. And then there are many others that I echo, Arc of Loudon, um, Loudon Therapeutic Riding, what they do connecting people with horses, that connection. I Once I saw it, it really clicked very with me. Very important work. Yes. Yeah. So they're all important. So those are kind of, I guess, ones that I feel passionate about, but something else that, as you know, I'm part of Rotary. Yeah. Which I think a lot of people think of as an old man's group. Yeah, it was. My dad was in Rotary and back then they didn't even allow women. So it was, (laughs) it was the men's club or whatever, but they did add women. And uh, luckily, so I had someone approach me, I guess I've been in it seven years, eight years, a friend of mine approached me and she said, Hey, do you want to come to a meeting? And I said, Oh, my dad used to be president of Rotary. He loved every Thursday night. He went to Rotary and they did things with their Rotary friends and they always enjoyed it. So what the heck I'm going to check it out. Plus I was kind of in this thing of trying to figure out what nonprofits don't want to be on a board. Mm-hmm. Like how, how can I help? So when I walked into Rotary, everyone greeted me with a smile and just a warm smile. Like these people are genuine And I joined right away and we, you know, make meals for the homeless. We ring the bell for Salvation Army. We do a lot of different things in the community. Plus, financially, we give, um, we, last year we gave $20,000 to different nonprofits in the area. So I feel like through Rotary, I'm able to spread my, not wealth necessarily, but because I like getting in there and making the meals and doing that kind of stuff too. But I can it can be spread more than just focusing on one or two nonprofits. So that's, 
and Rotary is like a second family to me. I mean, you you know that. I yeah. get you to go to our pig roast every year. But um, <laughs> they don't go to a meeting sometime. I never, I have not found my group. Uh, I've mm-hmm. touched a few and, and and keep walking away. It's not a not a good fit. But uh, I am impressed with what you do there in Rotary in particular because I know that even when we go to the pig roast. Murray sees his his old man. Oh there. right, right. And, uh, but but then I see you, and I see other younger people there, and it's. Uh, I, I think the work that they're doing is is very important. I know it would be missed if it didn't get done. It's the work, and then it's also the camaraderie. It's the friendships that you build through Rotary that can you know last your lifetime. I know when my brothers did pass away. The people from Rotary, I think I was only in Rotary a couple years when it happened. And, you know, they're at the funeral and I hardly know these people. Um, so there's there's that part of it, too, sure. like a second family. But that that really did help me to kind of feel like I can help out in the community, whether it's financially or phys- you know doing physical work or whatever. Yeah. So I, I like that as an avenue. Well, I want to just talk briefly, too, about, you know, you've, you've grown up in this community, so a lot of people know you and you know a lot of people. But I did, I'm did, i new, uh, relatively speaking, and, and as you mentioned, so much of Loudoun County is. And and yet, you know, you're a successful businesswoman here and you and you run around with other successful businesswomen, as, as we both do. What would you say to women, younger women or older women, I really don't want to confine it to younger women who want to start their own business and have kind of no idea where to start. And, and re- really what I'm asking too is um, how do they get past their, their questions and their fears? Yeah. I think of what happened with me when I started my business and I you know this is, I guess, a plug for the chamber, but when I uh, joined the chamber, I really had no clue on kind of running a business, um, how important networking is, making those different connections with people who know people and that kind of thing. And then um, there are so many people, businesses around in Loudoun County, they want to help you. You know, Mm -hmm. they've all been through it. That's true. And and I know if someone approached me who was starting a business, I would want to help them too, because we've all been through it and you don't know what you're doing lots of times. And and there's a lot of fear there and and you don't really know where to get help. But I, I feel like the chamber was kind of a good way for me to start understanding how businesses are run and how you connect with people. And that's something that you constantly have to do is keep those connections, networking, and you learn a lot. You learn a lot from people that way. Um, Not just making the connections to get business, but just to sit around and talk about how you're dealing with different scenarios and there are different networking groups that are helpful to, you know, there are sales coaches and things like that that are really helpful I've used probably a lot of different things. Well, I think the the other thing you do is connect people. So you're right. If it's not directly for your own business, you connect other people to other people Mm -hmm. so that they can do business together. I think that's a lot of what you're talking about in these groups too. It's not all one directed. It's also to connect others to other people to to solve problems and, and, and fill in a need that they, that they have has the time of COVID impacted your, because networking is generally done in person. Right. So how are your networking groups that you do appreciate and contribute to, how are they all managing in this time? It's not the same. I actually left my networking group in January, kind of right before COVID, which was kind of odd timing, mm. but you're not getting the same. You're. De- I mean, it's just obvious. You're not getting the same through a Zoom call as you would in person. 
you know, talking to people close up and hugging people or whatever you do. It's just, you know, you need that. So it's, it's not easy. And I think you kind of have to take that extra step, you know, pick up the phone, call somebody, maybe meet them socially distance outside somewhere or something. But I think you have to get more creative instead of just, Oh, I'm going to my uh, lead chair BNI, whatever kind of networking meeting. You kind of have to work it other ways, you know, contact them through email or, whatever. You just have to find ways to connect outside of that physical kind of action. And I know that you generally attend a conference every year in Florida. Have they gone virtual for that or are they? They've actually kind of just put those on hold Hold. this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have a couple that they do in the fall in different parts of the country. So they've talked about possibly doing something virtual, Mm -hmm. but um, that might be hard. That's probably 500 vendors. And I mean, you're, yeah, that's going to be a tough one. I think the conference structure is probably one of the last ones to come online uh, when it does. I mean, for even, large scale. Yep. Yeah. Even prior to this, we'd had uh, some online conferences, but uh, mechanically, they're challenging to get the speaker and the slides and the audience. It's, oh, yeah. It's a real challenge. Technology, um, too. Yeah. And yeah. like we always have in September, early October, like you mentioned, our customer appreciation event. And I'm just so sad to not have that. And so we're trying to think, can we really accomplish it via Zoom? And I, I really don't think so. So yeah. it's going to be me really trying to do one-on-one with our customers and kind of figure out what do you need for the holidays or how, how are you managing during COVID or whatever, instead of being able to see them at an event. But it's just, it's it's not the same. Yeah, we're having the same problem. When you think about events, it's really challenging. Um, even if we all did, say, a wine tasting together, you know, we've got clients all over the country. In fact, a client in Italy. So how do you how do you get a wine there? It's just True. the whole logistics of it is, is interesting. How about your uh, nonprofits? Are they doing things differently in this time period? Yes, but they're har- having a hard time too. I do have a Zoom event that's coming up in a couple weeks and I'm it's going to be I'm curious to kind of see how it works with that many people so they're trying to find other ways to fundraise but it's difficult yeah 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 and I think with resources stretched it's particularly and I think the other thing for COVID that's so challenging is nonprofits have to get their message out more clearly than ever because the competition for dollars is is tougher than ever right they're in a tough position mm -hmm. right now i feel bad for them yeah well i think small business owners like yourself are some of the most optimistic people on the planet but obviously recent events and life at different times have tested that optimism how do you stay optimistic as a small business person when you know, in a world of Amazon and Walmart in COVID, right? The two, there's a few businesses that have thrived and mm-hmm. pretty much everyone else has taken a little bit of a backseat. Small business hit the hardest. How do you right. stay optimistic about the world of small business, which obviously near and dear to our heart? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Uh, like with COVID, when that hit, you know, we could have just most, a lot of our customers purchase their giveaway stuff that they use at events. So a lot of our business revolves around events, our customer events. So we had to think, you know, we could have easily just said, you know what, this is just going to suck for the next however many months. And what are we going to do? We can't really do anything. And, you know, we started selling masks. They're not printed, which is weird because we print everything. So we just got into a business where we could get, get something out to people that need it. And we, we did that and we donated too. we donated a mask too, but 
I think when you, I guess just trying to stay positive is just something kind of ingrained in me. But I think too, if you look back on different things that you've gone through and you've made it through those, so you're going to find a way to make it through. And it's just tough. It's just, especially like the hospitality industry is tough. I mean, it's just, I I really, one thing I can say that's positive is I'm proud of what we've done, our company's done, how we kind of did the pivot thing. Um, But I have enjoyed watching other businesses and seeing how they've gotten creative, especially with the restaurants, put a tent upside, you know, outside and put tables under it. Oh, okay. That's great. And they're filled up and people are still able to enjoy the local food and the restaurants and support them. And I just, I've had it. I have, that gives me, that kind of makes my heart warm when I look around and I see, well, people are, some people are finding a way. And it's not that everyone can do that. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of businesses, they just, it's, it's tough. You it's know, there's just, them. Yes. yeah, I mean, it, it, that's just kind of the bottom line. But it is neat to see that people can get creative and kind of like, hey, this, this, this is something no one's ever faced before. But let's figure out a way to do something. You know, I couldn't agree more. And I feel like here in Loudoun County, and again, being a relative newbie, it's an embracing community where people have come together to help each other. I know that all of us are always trying to support small businesses here. We have a big main street for people not familiar with uh, Leesburg and the surrounding areas. Most of our towns have very busy, vibrant main streets Mm -hmm. that people go to day and night. And we're all working really hard to keep those places alive. So it's a pretty neat place. And I also mm-hmm. know our local governments have, uh, as recently as this week, come out with more help for small businesses, yes. yet another program. So we're very lucky. Uh, one, if we don't need the help, and two, if we if we do, it's there. So yes. it's a pretty cool community we've got there. We and do. I'm glad that you're part of, of that. And I'm, I'm, it's been so fun uh, knowing you over these years. So thank you, Cheryl, for well, your time, you. your insights, and your wisdom. We wish you continued great health, happiness, and success. If you'd like to learn more about Cheryl and her company, Quill Creek Promotions, go to quillcreekpromotions.com. Thanks, Cheryl. Thank you. This podcast and any related material is provided for general information and entertainment purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, investment, or other professional advice. For professional advice in any realm, contact the appropriate professional. We assume no representation or warranty, express or implied, for accuracy or completeness of content. We assume no responsibility for information contained in the podcast and disclaim all liability in respect of such information, but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Links to external websites are provided solely for your convenience. We accept no responsibility for any linked sites or their contents. Use of this podcast and its content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.